Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to those extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience here on the North South Connections Extreme Throwaway Dance Podcast at ECW Retrospective Series. I'm JT. Joining me as always are my extreme partners, Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? Feeling jacked, ready to get extreme with you guys once again. Mm-hmm. Again, always extreme. Uh, I never stop being extreme. Always bloody and violent. Absolutely. I, I, I'm blading as we speak. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Well, before you bleed out, uh, we do have three weeks of television here ahead of us tonight. We did not get to see When Worlds Collide. It was not available to us, uh, but that was the big show we've been building toward. But tonight we will, uh, you know, get a pretty good glimpse of what happened on that evening inside the arena with these three weeks of television. So let's get things started. September 17th, 1996, we open with a clip of Sandman cleaning out a crowded ring with his cane, but he stops when Raven walks Tyler in front of him while Laurie yells at him. Sandman drops down to hug Tyler, but Tyler instead does the Raven pose. So Sandman goes to spank him, but Brian Lee comes out and makes a save. And Raven then DDT Sandman and Tyler stands over him in the Raven pose as Laurie yells. Uh, let's just get the Joey thing first, and then we'll. Uh, I want your thoughts because then we get to something even more depraved. Uh, we get our opening animation. <laughs> Joey's in the nest. He talks about the brutal personal feud involving our champions right now. We have Shane Douglas and Raven hold the titles, and they're both in some really ugly stuff. He says the Raven situation has gotten so disgusting, uh, and it's just it's been real bad. It's going to get worse because we have video courtesy of Stevie Richards from Tyler's seventh birthday party. So uh, before we get to that, uh, Matt, what'd you think of the opening segment? Uh, yeah, a uh, hot opener uh, to this show. Again, just continuing to build the Sandman Tyler stuff. And uh, it was almost like they were teasing that maybe Tyler was going to join with Sandman. Mm-hmm. Right. But then, you know, obviously Tyler goes back with Raven. We'll see mm-hmm. where, where that goes. But I, I thought that was a interesting little wrinkle to it. But yeah, uh, another molten hot segment in this batshit insane feud, Jenny. I wondered briefly there if, you know, if Tyler was going to break the hold and, you know, join his dad. I, I, I thought about, you know, maybe that's where we were going, but I'm unsure how I feel about that. I don't know. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, the segment was hot though. Um, and Joey's complete uh, outrage and disgust at being asked to view this, this, you know, footage from Stevie <laughs> was, was quite good. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I think it's still playing up to right Raven's mind control over Tyler. So maybe Tyler's urge is to go back to his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. Raven exerts the the control and the the lure that makes Tyler then stay with Raven inside with him. So uh, at least been established. All right, we get that videotape. We see Tyler sitting in the kitchen with cupcakes, and Raven says, "Look, you got your party. Be happy." Tyler says, "The party sucks." Raven says, "Shut up." <laughs> Lori is just sitting in the living room in front of static on a television. <laughs> Uh, just staring at the static. Blue Meanie comes in and does this lame-ass clown routine. He's got the he's got the big old voice going. Uh, Tyler says uh, the clown routine sucks, and he starts throwing shit at Meanie. <laughs> Meanie keeps trying to stooge around, and he's flailing. As Tyler just keeps saying, "You suck, you suck, you suck." Meanie blows out the candles and slobbers all over them, but Tyler still will not give in and admit that this is funny. So Meanie just stomps off. Uh, Joey is seething. He says, why are we even watching this? How depraved has Raven become? His crew want to document and make us watch this stuff. We go back to the birthday party where Meanie wants to play hide and seek and Tyler agrees. So he just walks around the house staring at the camera and hiding in a closet as Raven and Lori just sit there. Tyler finds a present that Sandman dropped off and opens it. And he likes it, but Raven's pissed. He destroys it. And Tyler just does the pose. Just some real sick shit. Like this shows you the situation that Tyler's in because it may seem like, you know, I don't want to say fun and game. Like, Oh, it's, you know, whatever it is on in the arena, et cetera. But then when you stop to think about, okay, well, this is maybe playing out in real life too. And of course not real life, but you know, for Tyler, his day to day life is now mm-hmm. living with Raven and Lori in this, awful situation in this madness in this house where he's just getting treated like shit and being forced to accept it mentally and you know having birthday presents destroyed and having to deal with blue mini the clown just a lot of crazy shit going on uh so i don't know jenny what did you think of this whole birthday party oh it was real fucked up um i was into it though uh, I, i'm into raven like because I would assume since Raven was so abused and, and mistreated during mm-hmm. his childhood, he doesn't know what a proper birthday party is. Mm-hmm. So he, he has a couple of measly cupcakes. And he's like, what do you want? It's a party. Go fucking party. Like, I got you a clown? What are you talking about? And Minnie is terrible. And he's wearing, like, one of those orange life vest things around <laughs> <laughs> as part of his clown outfit. Uh, I love Tyler just screaming, you suck, and throwing shit at me. <laughs> um, I don't think that's Raven's influence. I think that's just, you know, what children should do to Meanie is um, scream and throw things at him. Um, and Lori just blanking out in front of the TV was absolutely fantastic. Um, that was See, you, you didn't even have to put her in there. You know, you could have put her right. at the table. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you, you could have done anything. Putting her in front of the TV with the fucking static on and just blankly sitting there is amazing. It's like, such a good attention to detail. Well, just like yes. the creativity in it. To just yep. show like how fucked up this really is. So that she's just so zoned out and, you know, fucked up. That she's just literally staring at nothing. Um, static. Well, it's worse than nothing. Static is worse static, than nothing, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just completely out of it. It's fucking, it was great. Like, just, <laughs> they keep topping it. I don't know how, Matt. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was just about to say they keep topping themselves in this rivalry. It's it's insane how they're able to find ways to outdo themselves every week and make it this uh, feud more fucked up every week. Like, it's damn impressive, honestly. I mean, ju- just like you just said, Lori sitting on the floor uh, watching static on the television was horrifying in the best way possible. It's just, it's it's such a great detail and something like... I certainly wouldn't have thought of if I was putting something like this together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tyler uh, continuing to throw shit at Meanie uh, had me roaring. <laughs> like, it's just he's throw. I don't know where he was getting all these toys from. I'm assuming his pockets were full of them. And he's just throwing this shit at Meanie and screaming, you suck. And uh, yeah, it just <laughs> this was a lot. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like, uh, yeah, uh, great stuff. And this feud continues to get uh, more and more fucked up as the weeks go on. Well, see, I'll continue. It continues to get fucked up as we go forward. We get highlights of the closing portion of the Gangsters Eliminators match from Natural One Killers '96 when Shane Douglas got involved. Joey's in the nest talking about Shane being the master of self-interest and got involved for no reason. He talks about the unlucky lottery on September 13th in Jim Thorpe, where Shane drew Sammy the Silk, also known as Samu Noai. And uh, he was his part to take on the gangsters. He talks about how all of Samu's stitches in his throat and neck from a street fight in Florida. He says Shane never tagged in, just made out with Francine while the gangsters destroyed Samu. <laughs> and then Douglas tagged Samu from behind and jammed him in the neck with the title and attacked the stitches. And the gangsters did not get their piece of Shane. Uh, we then go to 5 a.m. outside where the gangsters talk about not forgetting about Shane. He knows what they can do to people and the three fingers will get broken. They'll put him through a meat grinder. He better watch his back, because no matter where he is, they'll hit that pretty motherfucker. They give the Simone Gangster Party props for coming to the show banged up, and they will give him a title shot, but they will go down. Uh, so besides making the Gangster Party still look like a bunch of bitches, Jenny, uh, what'd you think of this uh, stuff with him and Shane and Samu and uh, the Gangsters uh, follow-up? Well, that was a lot of information that Joey gave us. He was mm. like, look, this guy got beat up. He had 175 <laughs> stitches and he was fucked up, but he still went to the arena. Um, wouldn't tag or Shane wouldn't tag. I like this for Shane because it's not pit bull shit. So that's right. good. And they can still heal it up in different mm-hmm. new fucked up ways um, by his antics in, in their match. Um, I, I would kind of want to see that whole match, but um, didn't get that one. Um, and then <laughs> New Jack just, you know, you know, cutting his like pretty intense promo, like it's pretty good promo a minute. And then <laughs> this topic goes boing. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, I'm like, what? <laughs> his little just asides kill me at the end, like of their promos. It's great, Matt. Uh, I I could not believe that the Samoan Gangsta Party was still a thing. Like mm. I, I, I I thought and honestly hoped that we were done with them. And I'm no doctor, but if you have uh, 200 stitches in your head and neck area, you probably shouldn't be wrestling. I'm I'm <laughs> no expert, but I I don't recommend wrestling in uh, uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, Michigan, or anywhere really. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I do like uh, Shane never tagging into the match. I thought that's a great touch with because mm-hmm. it's he doesn't just limit his douchebaggery to Pitbull, too. It shows exactly. he's like that. It shows he's like that to everybody. And uh, as much as I uh, don't want to see the gangsters versus uh, Samoan gangster party again, because, oh, no, no one has to see that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I do like 
that they kind of uh, the the Samoan gangsta party kind of earned the gangsters' respect, and now they're giving them a title shot because of that. I I thought that was pretty interesting. The problem is it's the Samoan gangsta party, mm. but I I I, I think I they've been jobbed out harder than like most of anyone we've seen at ECW. Right, like, like outside of the real jobbers, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, they've been like really bottom of the barrel. I feel like Damien Kane's been treated better than them, honestly. <laughs> well. Like you, we've already seen the gangsters beat the Samoan gangster party in like two minutes. So like we're we're gonna run this back again. Like I I don't understand why we're doing that, but okay, I guess. Well, who else we got for tags? I mean, everybody else is anybody um, else. <laughs> you know, we're kind of thin when it comes to tags. Well, it's fine if you want to use them still, but like just present them as somewhat of a threat. Like right. they're consistently just getting beat up and made kind of jokes of, I keep assuming they're leaving and they're getting what? jobs out, but they keep <laughs> popping up. I keep Look, just figuring, Oh, the they must've signed on during the winter. How well, like, I keep figuring they must've signed with WF or something, which I know they were going there. Right. Cause they do the tease with Fatu or whatever, mm-hmm. which I think, I don't know if that had even already happened or not or what, but, um, you know, that was a plan at one point. So I thought, okay, well, maybe they're jobbing them out because they're leaving. But I don't know. They just keep hanging around just getting <laughs> their shit kicked out of them. The only time they look at threats at all is when they beat up the gangsters in the street. Uh, but beyond that, they've really just been abused and, like, made to look kind of foolish. So, mm. All right. We head back to the ring uh, for our match between Louis Spicoli and Shane Douglas. And mm. Styles is all in on Louis being a star. He's a student of the game. And it's a big match against the Red Hot Douglas. Shane and Francine strut out to great heat. As always, they have a very long entrance. They walk all around the ring, mean mugging at fans, shaking hands with Joel Gertner. Shane grabs uh, Shawn Michaels' shirt from a fan, and he spits and blows his nose in it. Douglas keeps stalling and bullshitting and kissing Francine. The fans chant for Brian Pillman. Shane tells him all to shut the fuck up or he's going to walk out. Shane teases walking off for Francine, but Spicoli calls him out and he returns. We finally get going with a lockup, and Spicoli takes him down and stomps away. Shane bails and regroups and returns right into a side headlock as Louis calm and in control. Shane dodges a Death Valley driver and bails out again as the Pillman chants continue. The fans then start to chant, she's a whore, as Shane offers a handshake to Louis, but Louis tells him to fuck off. Shane lands an elbow, but Louis takes him down and dribbles his head off the mat until he bails again. Louis continues to dominate, but we can't get into much of a flow because we just get tons of bailing, tons of stalling from Shane. He finally hits a mule kick and an atomic drop to take over. Hits a low head buffer two, lands a big clothesline. Louis gets a flash roll up for a close two, but Shane pops up with a neck breaker for a near fall. Shane goes for a dragon sleeper, but Louis hangs in and punches free. Louis gets a neck breaker for two and chops away. He follows with a hanging neck breaker, but Francine gets on the apron. Louis follows her outside and stalks her, but he eats a baseball slide. Outside, Shane hits him with a chair to the back and then sets it up and spikes him into it. Shane dumps Louis into the crowd and goes up top and jumps onto him. After a break, Louis punching back into things outside and mashes Shane with a chair. We head back in the ring as a crowd chance she's got herpes. Louis punches away and blocks a pile driver, but eats a hard elbow and walks into a tombstone. But he reverses it and collapses as Shane falls on top of him for two. Louis then turns into a close two uh, count as well. Louis gets a super close near fall on a spine buster, rams him into the corner, gets a northern light suplex for two. The crowd is just ready to explode <clears throat> if Louis can finish this off. He loads up the Death Valley driver. Shane hooks the ropes, so Louis just flips him to the floor. That was a great-looking spot. Louis meets him with a baseball slide and heads out. Spikes Shane into the table. Shane reverses the whip and throws Louis crashing into a standing table. Shoves him back in the ring. Louis recovers and loads up the DVD again, but Francine comes in and pulls Shane down. Shane hits a hangman neckbreaker. 
Louis holding his deck as Shane finishes him with the belly to belly for the clean win. Louis is hurt as damage control comes out to check on him while Shane just stares at him and then mocks him. And I thought all in all, this is a really good match. Uh, even with all the stalling, they got a lot of time to tell a good story. It was a solid pace and never felt rushed, never felt hurried. They botched only the one spot, but even that felt like exhaustion with the tombstone. Francine pays dividends, of course. She's a big piece of the new Shane Douglas puzzle. I thought Louis looked good, good again. He's become a nice asset for ECW uh, that he can go out there and just have this match and, and look strong even in defeat. And good stuff with Shane, of course, attacking Louis' neck as that's become his gimmick and playing off the pit bull stuff. So I went three stars on this, Matt. Uh, it was a really good match. Uh, it was a nice showing for Louis and continues to spotlight Shane as the top heel in the promotion. Yep, I am a little bit higher than you on this. I went three and a quarter on it. A uh, really fun match. Felt kind of like a, almost like a, I, I know they're all TV matches here, but it felt like a match made for TV with the stalling and all that stuff. It was that type of length, like probably like 15, 15 minutes, if that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stalling from Shane. I thought that was interesting. I feel like you really don't see that all that much from Shane, especially recently. It feels like he's always just going right at it. Um it did have a pretty slow pace to it, but I, I thought it worked overall. Uh, I like the network neck work in the match. It made sense given all the, the Pitbull 2 stuff. And it shows, again, just how much of a deuce, douche Shane is that he doesn't want to uh, just break Pitbull's neck. He wants to break everybody's neck. So that's that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, once it really got going near the end, I thought there were a lot of great near falls. There was a, a great looking spine buster by Louis for a near fall. And then another... Um, Northern Lights that I thought was really good for a near fall. And, uh, you know, I, I do think the finish kind of came out of nowhere, but I, I guess it makes sense given the, the Francine interference kind of led into it. But, uh, yeah, an- another good outing for Louis. He's been damn impressive uh, since we've seen him. And I feel like I've, I've said it every time we've seen a match of his. Was not expecting this out of Louis Spicoli. So uh, uh, three and a quarter for me, Jenny. Uh, I'll do you one better. I'm going to do three and a half because I really like this match and uh, all the character stuff is um, just amazing, really by all three of them, because Louis is just like really getting over um, even even him just calling Shane back to the ring when Shane tries to bail, um, you know, was really good. And he just kind of, you know, knows that if he baits Shane just the tiniest bit, he'll come running back, I feel like. Um that little head dribble spot that uh, Louis did, that was great. I've not seen that very many times. Um, he pretty much just did exactly that. Dribbled Shane's head on the mat. It looked pretty great. Um, and then they, um, I, I throughout this match, he does a lot of um, head-based offense, Louis does, um, as well as Shane. And um, Shane gets um, some dick-based offense in as well, so... Um, they, they are very like, you know, evenly matched pretty much like, you know, Shane gets the baseball slide, then Louie gets one, they each get a neck breaker. Like they kind of trade moves a couple of times. Um, and then the spine buster and the Northern lights I thought was excellent by Louie. And, um, I like the ending, you know, um, I, I didn't expect Louie to win, of course, but he does look amazing in this and. Um, it's a good, it's a good outing for him and a lot of stuff happens post-match as well. So I'm doing the three and a half. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. I I think you both, you know, I think both nailed why it was a key match, why it was important and why it delivered. And I think adding Spicoli as a TV worker, it's something we've missed a little bit of with the kind of outflow of like the real 
high-end workers in the Benoit Malenko, Guerrero, Mysterio, Mikey. Psychosis, Mike. Yeah, 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 right. Less Mikey. So I feel like adding Spicoli adds that type of body here if yes. he's going to work matches like mm-hmm. this to put out these 10 to 15 minute TV matches that we weren't really getting as much as anymore. So. We'll see if it continues. All right, Lance writes in the ring. It's his first ever interview. He's going to talk to Shane Douglas, but in comes Joel Gertner. He shits on right, says he doesn't like sharing the position of host with Joey Styles, and he sure as hell won't do it with Lance Wright. He's glad Wright is getting his big break, but tells him to go play with his remote control instead. Wright says he was assigned this interview, and Gertner just dismisses him. Wright says Gertner won't dismiss him. He says he's the greatest interview in the world. Wright won't back down again. But Gertner tells him to exit and then slaps him. Wright drops down to his knee, and Gertner says he's all hype. But Wright takes Gertner down and smacks him until Douglas grabs him and hits an arm breaker. And then puts him in a Phil Nelson trying to break his neck. Styles begs for Shane to release. And when he does, uh, he does when Pitbull 2 finally shows off for the save. Joey calls for help as we fade out. And again, good stuff here. As Douglas is just out of his mind, obsessed now with breaking everyone's neck. And I, I love Joel Gertner already. <laughs> this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's really mm-hmm. funny. His ability to deadpan this ridiculous bullshit and just not back <laughs> down at all is so good. Um, so we'll see him as he develops more. But that brings our end to our episode, Jenny. What do you think of the final segment? Oh, man, that was intense. <laughs> Joel's just so fucking brutal. Like... Look, he can't fight with his body, so he fights with his words. And he has, I don't know, I just feel like this unnecessary confidence. Like, where is he getting this shit from? Like, not so good. You're not that great. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. It was great. I loved it, Maddie. Yeah, uh, great way to close the show. Joe Ger- Joe Gertner is is fantastic. Will continue to be fantastic. I, he's he's amazing. He's just so great. Uh, poor uh, frail Lance right here. Uh, taking taking one for the team from Shane Douglas. My God, that full Nelson was brutal looking. Mm-hmm. Good lord. Like uh, uh, perhaps he really broke his neck. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> was real rough i i think uh yeah pitbull to uh saved lance wright's life uh for realsies so lance will never swim again you guys <laughs> no no it's, it's gonna be a real problem all right so uh let's do some awards here as that wraps up our first episode of the night and uh best match i thought was, uh, was our only match douglas piccoli yep. we didn't have a worse match so. mm-hmm. but it was good it was legit good so mm-hmm. yep uh best moment was obviously tyler's birthday party Yes. Oh, 100%. Yep. Uh, most 90s, I was Shane Douglas mauling the Shawn Michaels shirt. Yes. Yep. <laughs> All right. Stock Rising, Spicoli, Douglas, the Gangsters, and Gertner for me. Um, I would go Lori and Tyler as well. Yeah, I would add Lori for uh, staring at a TV mm-hmm. in a frightening manner. <laughs> Stock Falling, poor Samu, who's just been terrible. Yeah. And uh, Lance Wright, who uh, had a tough night. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lance Wright falling just like his vertebrae. <laughs> uh, final grade, I, I a very solid episode. I went six and a half out of ten, which if it's funny because we're so consistently high, like that almost feels like, oh, what's wrong? <laughs> like a yeah, down yeah. episode. But it's still a really fucking good episode of TV, mm-hmm. like a six and a half out of ten for a random throwaway 45 minute episode of television. Um, it's still real high level. We just didn't get that real big match. Um, or massive storyline development. It was more of like a recap. And then obviously the, the birthday party was good, but it didn't introduce anything new for us. And the match was just very good, not great. So I think six and a half feels about right. Uh, I'm going to do the seven. I think I think there's enough here to 
justify it. And I think, you know, Francine's outfit in that last match might bump it over <laughs> to the seven, Matt. Uh, Francine's, out, Francine's outfit bumped me over. I also now went bet. seven. So, uh, uh, yeah, based solely on the uh, the match and the birthday party segment. So, yeah, uh, seven out of ten for me on this. All right, let's fast forward to September 24th, 1996. We open Cold in the Ring with Joel Gertner doing re-announcing duties for this next match, and he says he's bilingual. The crowd is all over him, and he pauses. He has no shirt on under his jacket at this point. <laughs> this is the bow tie. He is still uh, for sure. <laughs> he says there's a man in the ring in a referee shirt with a cigar straight from Cuba off the refugee boat, and he wants to make a name for himself. He's the cousin of his idol, the man who makes his managerial debut tonight, the hombre with the dinero for Giorgio Armani and his Julio Cesar <laughs> Valentino Alfonso. Uh, so, of course, related to Bill Alfonso, apparently. Uh, just uh, uh, I thought this was fantastic. Again, I thought Gertner just crushed this. Yep. Uh, agreed. Uh, he doesn't so much much look like uh, Bill Alfonso's cousin. He looks more like 911's cousin, like 411 or something. <laughs> like I don't know. You got to think of a better name for him. But uh, yeah, uh, Gertner is uh, just absolutely fantastic again. What do you think, Jay? Oh, I'm sorry. I was muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did he just not have a shirt, or like I'm still <laughs> kind of. I'm about the shirt situation. He's feeling himself. He's got uh, the hairy chest. He's feeling sexy. He's got his hair, hair all gelled up, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's it's it sure is something. Um, I guess I guess he was tired of you know Joey being the only like uh, personality type on mm-hmm. the on the show. So we'll see. Well, it feels like he's in the natural lineage of Jason uh, Fonzie, who's still here, but Fonzie's kind of grown into a different mm-hmm. role from like his original referee torture role uh and now like this feels like the next evolution of like that type of gimmick that we've had pretty consistently well they're good we at evolving these things so it makes sense mm-hmm. all right we get our opening animation and we go to the ring for our opening match and that is sandman taking on devin storm sandman stalks out slowly ambling around joey talks about julio i'm just gonna come julio i'm not gonna say julio caesar <laughs> Valentino, alfonso every time gerda runs for his worthless life as joey says <laughs> Sandman is already bleeding from the bear can that he smashed into his head. Storm flies into Sandman a somersault plancha as he's smoking a cigarette and then canes him a bunch and whips him to the steel. Bad crew's out here as well. They beat on Sandman as Storm gets inside. Storm comes back out with a triple team with punches to the cut. Storm smashes him with a chair throw and Sandman's really staggered back inside. Storm slams him on the cane and heads up top. A Sandman grabs the cane and ladders Storm in the gut as he comes down. Sandman takes out the bad crew, the ref, and Storm with the cane as the crowd is just going wild, as is he. Storm takes him down, a leg drops his nuts, his bad crew holds him. In comes Julio and barks orders to Storm, who hits a nice moonsault and covers, but Sandman hits Julio with the cane in the head as he starts to count, which is just a great spot. Sandman then levels the shit out of Julio with a spinning cane shot across the side of the face, which is just disgusting looking. Joey says the Sandman stands alone tonight as he cleans house with the cane and DDT Storm for the win. Sandman pins both the bad crew as well for the hell of it. So just a fun segment. Uh, really the most effective Storm and bad crew have been as a unit. They really got the work done tonight, uh, but still come up short. A uh, good win for Sam, and he overcomes the odds, shows he's willing to massacre whoever he has to, and the Julio stuff was fun, too. So it's just, you know, more mind games at play here across the board from everyone just trying to fuck with Sandman. So uh, Matt, I went two stars on this. I thought it was a fine little piece of business. 
Yep, two stars for me as well. Uh, pretty fun, slop-ass brawl. Uh, again, Devin Storm looking like uh, the most 90s, looking like a, uh, a Mortal Kombat character without the fancy <laughs> mask. Like, <laughs> good lord. Great value, uh, Scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like that Sandman was getting the shit kicked out of him for a portion of this, because it showed that he literally has nobody with him anymore, and it's just him by himself, so I thought that kind of made sense. And, the you know, the fact that he was eventually able to uh, overcome the odds, and, yeah, once Sandman got going, he just fucking destroyed everybody, and it was great. So, uh, yeah, two stars for me, Jenny. I did two and a half. Um, he was not fucking around at all mm. after he got his ass beat with that cane boy. He was going to town, and what... What I'm liking right now about Sandman is that we don't see him in Pulp Fiction. We don't see him in these promos. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. We haven't heard from Sandman in regards to all of this Raven stuff, right? He hasn't talked to us. He has done all his talking in the damn ring. And a lot of times that is just going out there and getting destroyed and somehow (laughs) managing to survive the match. (laughs) Like, so... I can't decide if he's like, if it's like, I'm alone, like, I'm just going to go off. I'm going to just fucking try to take as many down with me as possible. You know, I feel like that's his sort of path. And it's interesting, um, but I do want to see him sort of do the rise up again. You know, I want to see him beat Raven and become the champ again. So all of this is really working like in his favor. And I think there's going to be a big payoff to all of what he's doing now. Anyway, two and a half. Did I say that? Yes. Yes. All right. We got highlights of Shane Douglas trying to break Lance Wright's arm and neck a week ago. Joey's in the nest talks about how the pit bulls get closer to Shane each week. And Shane has brought this vengeance on himself. We then get a video package of the feud to set up what sounds like uh, simply the best. I think was the music. It's it's dubbed over here, but it's, it it's, sounds like it's pretty clearly that that dub was like it was like '90s teen sitcom music. Like <laughs> I was half expecting like my Bayala to start dancing on the screen during it. Like good lord, <laughs> it sounded like the cheap karaoke version of simply the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we get a topless Francine with Shane at the beach as part of it. So it's point the video. Uh, back to the ring for our next match, and that is a tag team match, which also means it's time for our Italian lesson of the week. All right, you guys ready to learn some Italian? Yeah, let's do it. Always. All right, tonight's phrase is Cazzo mare de Dio. Cazzo mare de Dio. Good lord. Do you have to roll the R's? Cazzo madre di Dio. No, you don't have to. Madre. Okay, what's the first one? Cazzo madre de Dio. (laughs) Fucking mother of God is what it means. (laughs) (laughs) All right, make a note to use that in daily life. (laughs) <laughs> so oh if we want to God. piece that together here, cazzo mare di Dio, stugats chuch cugino, driving me nuts. <laughs> Boy, that does eat you, Mama Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like it. It's definitely one to use. It's a good one. All right. Well, when we get the Italian list of the week, of course, that means it's time to talk about the full-blooded Italians who take on the gangsters tonight, uh, which could not go well, probably, for the FBI. It's a tough draw. <laughs> JT's on the mic, and he wants to pay tribute to a recent Sicilian paisan who's passed away. Tupac Shakur. Shakur, he says. <laughs> Shakur. Uh, Smith, Guido, and Sal dance to film what I'm assuming was Tupac music that they play. Uh, Joey does talk about the passing of Tupac, uh, which had just happened. The gangsters rush the ring with weapons, and the shit is on. The crowd is hyped. The gangsters massacre the FBI, loads of weapon shots. The superior beating is their uh, natural born killers plays in the background. Even Sal takes some shots as well. Uh, the FBI get no offense here at all. Just a pure destruction. Joey says, Sal must wish he's back in the WF doing cartwheels. Oh, uh, and he never took a beating like this before in his life. <laughs> Jack flings Guido over the top and he just goes smashing to the floor and disappears off screen in a crazy spot. Mustafa then power slams Sal and Jack finishes him with a diving chair and pins poor Sal for the win. Uh, just an insane weapon squash. I mean, just the FBI took a shit kicking. The gangsters are on fire. They will murder anyone in their patch, Jenny. I want to start a half. I mean, it was a legit squash, but it was like a murder scene out there. Yeah. FBI just got completely wrecked. I, I had to go two stars on this. <laughs> I mean, poor fucking Sal, man. I was like, oh, no. Don't hit Sal. What are you doing? Um, But I was surprised he didn't run away. Um, Or I'm like, he kept coming back to get beat on. Like, just go. Run away, Sal. <laughs> Don't hang around. You're not going to save anybody. Save yourself. Um, but this is entertaining as hell. Like, I, I like watching the FBI get beat up. <laughs> uh, except for Sal, not him. Just the other two. Um, <laughs> it was just a fucking wild, crazy, mm-hmm. insane mess. And, you know, I guess the gangsters just needed to, like, get some aggression out or something. So... I don't know. They did it for the fun of it only, Matt. Yeah, as far as Sal goes, I think that was the concussion talking. He didn't know where the fuck he was. <laughs> but he was. Uh, <laughs> uh, Before this match began, I made a note, FBI about to die. Uh, turns out I was right, because good <laughs> lord, they got the shit kicked out of them. I mean, ju- just a, a glorious gangsta's weapon beat down. Mm-hmm. It was like five minutes. It was fucking great uh i also went two stars on it uh poor sal stumbling around the ring like a goof uh, again i'm assuming because of the con- uh, multiple concussions he probably solved uh concussions on top of concussions in this match uh uh yeah there was one spot where new jack threw guido over the top to the floor yes i'm assuming i'm assuming he landed on the concrete perhaps another body that the gangsters just destroyed like uh yeah just a Tremendous, glorious squash. Two stars from me. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most vicious squashes we've seen at CW, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen some rough stuff. Uh, but this would be up there with any Steiner's head shrinkers. Ramon's <laughs> squash mm. uh, that I've seen. Where it's just really murdered this guy. these guys. All right, we continue with the tag action. We go right back to the ring. And it's uh, one that should be a banger on paper. It's from When Worlds Collide, when RVD and Sabu had their uh, dream partner match against Doug Furness and Dan Crawford. Of course, Furness and Crawford had a long history together as a team, successful in Japan, brought it in the year. And it's a big it's a big match. I would argue for those kind of in the know or fans of, you know, all Japan and Japanese wrestling, like this would probably be a, some level of dream match if you were at that level of fandom in 1996. 
And to see RVD and Sabu together is cool as well, given their feud. The crowd is really hyped for it. Furnace and Crawford are focused in the ring. Sabu and RVD basically answer together, which is crazy to see after everything. RVD and Furnace start drawing with each other. We get quick strikes to ease in. RVD gets dumped outside, but comes back and tags Sabu, who goes for the legs, but Furnace dodges and tags in Crawford. Crawford lands a chop, but needs a drop kick and a spin kick to bail to the floor. Sabu meets him with a baseball slide and barrels into him with a triple jump leap into the crowd. Furnace and Crawford quick tag and settle in working over Sabu to settle the pace. Focusing on the back as Furnace twists into a lion tamer, but Sabu gets to the ropes. Sabu dodges a shoulder block and nails a clothesline and tags RVD, who tags with his boot and not his hand. RVD is an Inziguri, slugs away and nails a spin kick. Furnace recovers and powers RVD down, tags Crawford. RVD tags Sabu with a hard slap to the chest and jaws at him, so we're kind of teasing potential dissension here. Sabu and Crawford trade holds with Crawford working the leg. Crawford punches Sabu and tags in Furnace. They settle into an attack again. Sabu battles back. It's a triple jump springboard elbow to Furnace and follows with a crisp Arabian face buster for a near fall. Furnace pops up with a hard shot, a short arm clothesline and tags in Crawford. Sabu goes to tag RVD, but he just watches them. Crawford spikes Sabu down to the mat. Sabu escapes and tags RVD's knee, but he comes in, walks into kicks and chops for Crawford. Crawford gives hammering away, but Sabu comes in and cleans house to help RVD. Furnace and Crawford come bail out, and Sabu offers a handshake and then slaps RVD twice. Sabu puts his hand out again, and this time RVD shakes it, but Sabu then uses it to whip RVD over the top into Furnace and Crawford, which is a great bit. RVD slides a chair in, and Sabu springs off it into Furnace and Crawford into the railing. After a bait, Crawford is working over Sabu in the ring, working the back of the neck, the, including an awesome surfboard-type submission, which is just really cool-looking. Furnace tags in, and Sabu is barely hanging on through this attack and all the near falls. Sabu counters a butterfly suplex, so the backdrop of Furnace comes in with an overhead throw. Crawford heads up top, but Sabu blocks him. It's a Hurricanrana for two. Comes back with a sick head and arm suplex for two on Sabu. We take a break and go to Hype Central where Gertner is taking over and does some Gertner things. He's smirking smugly, putting himself over. We then cut to Beulah, who's dripping hot wax on Tommy's fists as he calls out Lee and Raven. Hot after red that, wax. After that torture porn, we're back to the <laughs> ring. RVD gets the tag and goes to work on Furnace. Nails him with a spin kick. Crawford's in two, and RVD cleans him out. RVD has a top rope thrust kick and a backflip splash onto Furnace. RVD has a slingshot guillotine leg drop onto Furnace and puts him on a table bridge. Puts a chair on the ring for Sabu, who goes to the springboard, but he slips off the top. And Joey thinks maybe RVD shook the rope on purpose to fuck with him. RVD puts Furnace through the table with a top rope splash. RVD throws Sabu and Furnace in the ring. And Sabu covers for two. RVD comes in, gets a near fall on Furnace, who's really hurting. Sabu yells to cover, but RVD hoists Furnace up and hits a double underhook gourd buster. RVD again doesn't cover, instead plays to the crowd. Furnace comes in and wrecks him with a nasty German for two, but Sabu makes a save. Crawford hits Sabu with a chair, hits a tiger driver on the chair on RVD for two. Sabu comes off the top with a splash on Crawford and then smacks Furnace with a chair. Sabu gets, sets up the chair and hits Crawford with a triple jump moonsault for two. Furnace hits a Frankensteiner on Sabu, but RVD saves as the pace is just wild right now. Crawford smashes RVD with a chair. Furnace puts Sabu on the top rope, and Crawford takes him over with a backdrop suplex for two. Joey says it was a Tazplex and now wonders if Taz got to Furnace and Crawford and wonders if RVD was in on the plan as well to give them tips on how to beat Sabu. Sabu grabs an inside cradle on Crawford for two. Crawford comes back with a rare naked choke. Furnace puts Sabu on his shoulders, and Crawford goes up, and they hit a doomsday device, but RVD makes a save. Sabu and Crawford head outside as RVD works over Furnace in the ring. Sabu keeps throwing chairs at Crawford, and RVD knocks Furnace outside as well. 
RVD heads out as Sabu and Crawford head in. Sabu throws a chair in his face, slams him, and heads up top. A furnace knocks him to the floor. Furnace and Sabu fight over the chair outside as Crawford cranks on RVD's leg inside. But Sabu breaks that up with an Arabian face buster for two. Furnace gets two on Sabu after a Crawford leg lariat. All four guys are really banged up here as things have broken all the way down. Crawford and RVD wipe each other out as Sabu spikes Furnace into a chair, gets a triple jump elbow for two. Sabu takes down Crawford for two. He's got so many chaotic near falls and big yes. spots flowing throughout the match. Crawford gets two on Sabu on a Tiger Driver, but RVD batters both with chairs. RVD leg drops a chair on Furnace's back and saves Sabu from a cover by Crawford. Joey's talking about all the points now as this carries on. RVD gets a split-legged uh, moonsault on Furnace, but he can't cover, so Sabu does instead for two. Sabu then throws a chair at Crawford as for two as RVD gets the DDT on Furnace for two. RVD buries Furnace with a frog splash for two. Crawford cranks a sleeper on Sabu, but RVD makes a save. Furnace gets a nasty German on RVD, dropping him on his head, but only gets two as Crawford murders Sabu with a super taskplex. And at that point, the bell rings for a draw. And a standing ovation. Sabu's aggravated. RVD's pissed as well. The crowd wants five more minutes. Furnace and Crawford are down for that. Uh, but now instead, Crawford slaps Sabu in the face and they walk off. Sabu and RVD kind of stew and eventually shake hands as the crowd chants for Sabu. And a really cool moment to see them cement what looks to be a new partnership. Uh, I thought this was a real fucking war. Uh, it started slow, but once they got going, just tons of back and forth bombs, chairs, high flying spots. May have been the most insane flow of near falls and chaos ever at a tag match at this point, uh, especially in ECW in North America. Just a crazy sequence all the way home. A fine finish, too, with the draw given the star power here, where they're headed. You assume this is going to continue. It's the first time RVD and Sabu have teamed. you got to protect Furnace and Crawford a bit. Uh, a lot of cool dynamics with RVD and Sabu woven throughout the match. And then you have Joey dropping in the Taz stuff to layer it in as well, wondering if he's giving them tips, because that's kind of been established. Uh, just a great TV match. I mean, just again, imagine tuning into TV and, and getting this. Just a complete treat. So, uh, Jenny, you went four stars on this banger. Uh, I thought it was a great TV match. Four stars. Okay. Um, well, I I don't. I mean, we've seen Furnace before, and we were impressed with him. And um, Crawford is a terrible name. I, I don't even want to <laughs> say it. I think it's his real name. I, I don't care. Like, get you a <laughs> fake name. You are a wrestler. Just please don't, because Furnace and Crawford sounds like fucking Muppets or some shit. <laughs> and so. But they, this was amazing though because that you can tell how, like I don't know shit about them as wrestlers, mm-hmm. but you can tell they're legit. Like even though Joey tells me they're legit, like you can see it in the match, especially the way that they, they just unload on Sabu in particular and Van Dam as well. But um, once they started doing, like everything's amazing. Like everybody, it the pace is breakneck. Like even with all the just. I mean, it's like power move after power move, and they're in there, and they're jumping, and there's tables, and 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 they're just breakneck speed, like just and and at the same time, you're dealing with RVD being a complete dick to Sabu, not wanting to tag in, not wanting to use his hands, tagging in with his boot, just being an asshole uh, to Sabu. Sabu's just trying to survive the match, basically, um, because he gets beat up quite a bit. Um, weird, weird commercial in the middle. I don't know. We <laughs> we don't typically do that. On these I think matches. they probably just felt like they had to plug a couple things, and like this match was so long that yeah, you know they needed the time. I guess they so. really needed to get in the candle 
wax dripping on on Tommy. Like maybe they thought it would like, give us. You know, can't put that in a Pulp Fiction on another episode. Come on. It was very funny. It was very <laughs> weird, but it just it took me right out of this fucking match. Like we're we're doing a banger here, and okay, but that's fine. Um, RVD is a freak. Like he just he just doesn't look like he should be able to do any of that. Just like none of it. Like I, I don't understand it. Like. Just going back real quick to your point, I think, too, the one thing we don't see, and I've thought about this quite a bit, honestly, recently, the hype centros are so quick for us. Like, it's it, I always wonder, what's the point? And then I kind of realize, like, I think we're just not seeing the real hype central, which I'm guessing was them hyping local shows um, and, and stuff mm. and TV or whatever. And they probably cut that out of these because it's uh, th- that's all I can think of. And that they use that Tommy thing as part of hype central. And that they wanted to hype like local show. So I'm, I'm thinking we're not seeing all of Hype Central. Because it never makes sense. It's literally just like Lance yeah, talking for right. six seconds. So it's like, what's the point? And I'm like, well, there must be something we're not seeing. And that's all I could think of. Is that mm-hmm. it's hyping local events. And it was, it's just cut out from these airings. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can see it. So sorry no. to interrupt, Jenny. But no, no, no. You're, you're good. Um, I think the, the more it goes, like with... um. The, the tension between RVD and Sabu, I like it. Like it's 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 fucking them up. Like they can't they can't beat these guys because they can't get together. But then they had these like moments where they connect. Like when RVD throws Sabu a chair, you know. Like they had a few of those little moments in the match where, you know, they did they can they will do it maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, so I really like that tension in it and tag teams who hate each other might be my sexuality until the fucking time limit draw. And we all know how I feel about that. So I, I, I knew it was coming when nobody could get a fucking pinfall mm. and they tried 87 times to get a pinfall. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I see what we're doing. We're going to draw. But, um, so I did ding it for that just because I am me and I gave it three and three quarter stars, Matt. And I think we get the draws more so in ECW because there's no DQs. There's no count outs. So it's like, it's really the only kind of fuck finish we get outside of a straight, just like the match ends with nothing. Um, so I think, I think that's why we tend to feel more of them here. I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that makes sense. But I mean, I've seen DQs before we've done them before, like, and for this match, it was crazy as shit. So, I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I thought this match was, uh, fantastic. Just, uh, you guys said it. the pace for the entire 30 minutes was absolutely insane. They never really slowed down at all. Like, I, I can't remember. Maybe I could count on one hand, like, the, the amount of rest holds. I feel like it was just, uh, the pace was crazy. Uh, this, there was a, a sleeper suplex by at one point by Crawford that was nasty, where he just dropped Sabu on his head. I mean, Sabu got the shit kicked out of him during the, for, like, the first half of this match. I mean... It's just fantastic. Uh, yes, uh, Tommy Dreamer having hot wax poured on him by Beulah. I mean, while entertaining, probably not necessarily needed for this match. But I get it. If they cut stuff out, like, it, it makes sense now that you said that. But, I mean, the last, like, ten minutes or so of this match are just maybe the most insane, like, as far as pace goes, that we've seen in ECW. I mean, it's all four guys in the rings just fucking throwing bombs, and the referee's just throwing his hands up like, well, I guess this is what's happening now. I'm not even going to attempt to uh, to uh, uh, keep tags. It's like, all right, do your thing. 
Uh, it's just wild stuff. Um, you know, I, I I get why they did a draw here. Like, you're not going to have uh, Crawford and Furnace lose, and RVD and Sabu's pairing really just started. So I get it. But I feel like you maybe could have had Sabu eat a pin here, maybe, mm. just because, like, he's practically bulletproof. I mean, he's lost before, and he still has this mystique about him. So, I mean, like, I don't hate the draw. But I, I feel like if they wanted to do a pinfall, they probably could have gotten away with pinning Sabu out of it just because he is who he is and he can bounce back from anything. But it, yeah, just a fantastic match. I like the, sto- uh, the story really throughout the entire match, too, with RVD and Sabu really still not liking each other or even trusting mm-hmm. each other un- until the end. I thought that was a, a, a great touch, too. And uh, yeah, uh, a banger of a match <laughs> for a free weekly TV show. Uh, I am also at four stars on this. Yeah, I'm with you, too. Like, I think Sabu could have taken the loss here, and it would have been explainable. I think the way to do it is he takes the bullet for RVD um, Mm -hmm. in a big move, right? And that kind of establishes that, look, he's willing to do whatever to win and to be RVD's teammate, and that establishes him as a unit, right? So they kind of tease it through the match, but maybe, Mm -hmm. like, Furnace comes flying in with a heavy chair shot, and Sabu shoves RVD out of the way. It takes like right. a brutal bump or something, and then he gets pinned. Like, it, like you said, he's bulletproof. He can be protected, mm-hmm. even in a loss. Like, it's not going to hurt him, especially at 30 minutes. But I think this is a pretty standard trope for ECW to set up like a future right. match. Um, and we know Furnace and Crawford aren't long here, right? Because as wrestling fans, right. we know where they where they're going in a month. Um, so this yep. is really a, a stop. So my guess is they didn't want to put them over. RVD and Sabu, who are they going to likely seemingly build as like a top act, I would think, if they're going mm-hmm. this far with them. So my guess is, you know, we're going to see this rematch and we're going to see the proper finish. And it's not going to be Furnace and Crawford getting a win. And I'm guessing this was the agreement. Um, mm. Hey, you know, you'll get a draw and then you'll put them over. Right. Like, I mean, I would think more than like we're going to go one on one because you're not staying. You're getting your payday and then you're moving on. You already got your deal. I would assume they already had their deal by now. Uh, with the WF. So I would, I would think that was probably the idea is bringing them in. I don't know if you agree with that, Matt, but. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, that makes sense to me. I mean, like you said, given where, where they are going uh, in a relatively short order here, and that does, that does make sense. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to beat uh, the hot team. That's going to stick around for uh, assumingly at the time, quite a while. So that does right. make sense. And uh, yeah, if a draw was what you had to do to make the match happen, Hey, it is what it is, you know? Right. Like they're not going to put them over twice. Um, and then, you know, I think this is like the agreement instead of the split. Right. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't think you're going to, even if you do what we said, which I think would have worked, you're probably still not going to beat RVD and Sabu in their first dream match tag, tag match together. So, um, yeah. yeah. All right. Joey wraps up, but Taz and Fonzie come in. Taz says he's going to spread the word of ECW the way he wants to. Not with ECW slogans. ECW is the home of the one man that Sabu fears. And that is Taz. So. That wraps up our second episode tonight. Let's get to our awards. I think we're all easily in agreement that the best match was RVD and Sabu versus Ferris and Crawford. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, worst match, even though it was super fun, just rating-wise, was Gangsta's FBI. Yeah. Well, I suppose so. <laughs> but, I'm not ha- but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Still a lot of fun. Uh, best moment, I went with Sandman caning Julio when he's counting. And uh, then the Sabu and RVD handshake. 
Oof. I gotta go with that handshake. That was a lot. Yeah, uh, that handshake was pretty good, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I thought the sleeper suplex by Crawford was really great, mm. too. So I, mm. I'd throw a nod towards that, too. I just love that cane shot when he's about to count. And Sam just swings it and smashes him in the mm-hmm. side of the head. It's so good. Uh, most 90s, I went with the reference of, of course, Tupac. Uh, Shakira's death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gotta be. <laughs> and, and Devin Storm. Of oh, course. of course. <laughs> Stock rising, I went with Gertner, the gangsters, Sabu. RVD and Furnace and Crawford. So a lot of positives tonight. Um, yeah, hard to, hard to say. I mean, there was a lot of good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, Sandman, uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Get a win. Everybody but Devin Storm in the FBI, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well, Stockfall, well, I thought Storm showed well, honestly, in that match, too, though. Uh, for falling, I asked him a bad crew and uh, Julio, took <laughs> the biggest beating. Yeah, the bad, bad <laughs> more so than the FBI. Julio! Uh, all right, final grade. I mean, this is a great episode of television. It was really yes. good. We had a, mm-hmm. a four-star match, like, that ate up the bulk of the show. But we also had a really fun match with Sandman. In Angle, we had the awesome squash with the FBI, the gangsters. We had naked Francine. Uh, so there's a lot to like here. Uh, I went 8 out of 10. I, that was a great episode of ECW television. 8 out of 10 for me as well. I also went 8 out of 10. Awesome TV show. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing you're lacking, really, if you, like, dropped in on this. Like, if I said to someone who doesn't watch, like, oh, you're going to watch this episode. The only thing you don't get a real snapshot of is like Raven Sandman, yeah. but they also right. spent a ton of time on that in the previous episode. So right. mm-hmm. if you watched those two back to back, you get a really good synopsis of like this time period of ECW. Yep. And honestly, even our next one, because there is another thing that comes up here that hasn't been featured a lot. And that's Taz. So like, if you watch this, these three episodes of ECW, I guess we'll talk about it, but it's like a really perfect snapshot of, of this mm-hmm. period like you get every yep. all the big acts classic match like everything going on in this stretch so which is what they should be doing on tv anyway so right mm-hmm. yes listen you get a lot of great stuff on the north south connection as well content dropping every single day on the north south connection a lot of it's evergreen the bulk of it's pro wrestling based and the large majority of that bulk is classic pro wrestling based so it's evergreen content for you available at any time if you like minutiae and projects and lists and deep dives we are the podcast feed for you we just ask that you take a moment and spread the word and share the joy that you get out of these shows with a friend leave us a rating leave us a review we'd much appreciate it it'd be the most extreme thing you could do for us here in the extreme three-way dance and course matt jenny bring you lots of great content as well whether it's on the placement nation wrestling feed placement nation pop feed or the jenny position uh just tons of really cool stuff that we're super proud of bringing uh to everyone and we love the interaction we love the feedback and we love that uh, the involvement that everyone has in all these different projects and adventures so be sure to reach out if you have any questions around content or shows or you know want to do a guest spot we have tons of options for that as well across all of our podcast networks and us excited to continue to bring this content anything you guys want to add no that was very well said i would agree great stuff all right. Also, great stuff is our next episode here of ECW Television on October 1st, 1996. You guys believe we're already into the final quarter of 96 here? Crazy. It felt like it the is. summer lasted forever, and then we're just like, bam, it's October. Yeah. 
Well, I think right. what's helped is not having a big show to watch, and just, yeah. we're churning yeah, yeah. out all this TV. It just eats up, you know, there almost is two that. months. So that's, that's a lot. Uh, all right, we cold open with Fonzie leading out Team Taz, and Taz, to amazing heat as always. Johnny Smith is in the ring awaiting this massive challenge and signing the open contract. Taz stands stoically. Fonzie's acting a nut. And then we get our opening animation. Then we have our opening match, which is Taz versus Smith. Smith looks focused here, but this will not be easy. We get some feeling out, lockups, holds, clean breaks to ease in. Smith hangs in early, going hold for hold with Taz. Smith gets one pair, one count, and then Taz flips him off. Smith continues to show up here, gets a top wrist lock, hips up after Taz forces him down. Taz slaps him, and Smith answers. Taz lights him up with some angry strikes. Smith comes back with a forearm and some kicks, and then a drop toe hold and a headlock. Taz seems a little flustered here, and Smith is super Mm. cool. Not flustered at all. Fonzie lights up the whistle. Smith puts Taz down with a shoulder block and then follows with a hip toss and a drop kick to send Taz bailing to the floor. Taz slowly gets back in, ends up catching Smith and dropping him on his head with a German throw. Smith is now holding his shoulder, and he looks like he's in shock after that. Taz stomps the shoulder and cranks an arm bar. Smith tries to find a seam, but Taz works the arm and down on the mat. Smith gets a power slam for two, follows with a cutter for two as well. Buries some knees to the gut, heads up top, it's a missile drop kick, but he's still holding the shoulder. Taz puffs up and buries a T-bone and finishes Smith with the Taz mission. After the match, Taz grabs the mic, says he rarely says it, but he respects Smith. And he released a hold early, so Smith wouldn't throw up. And they uh, shake hands. Taz then shits on Sabu, and as always, and Fonzie rants as Taz does the Sabu post pose and that's just a good showing for smith out of nowhere taz really made him look good he looked gutty you could tell he had some legitimate respect for him smith has really been one of the best to hang in with taz since he started this murder spree and the respect at the end was good too but taz is awesome he outlasts him crunches him for the win and matt this is a good opener i went two and three quarters two and a half for me uh i I thought it was a really good uh back and forth match uh normally uh, Fonzie's whistle uh, doesn't oh. doesn't bug me. Normally it doesn't bug me, but holy God, I wanted to shove it up his mm-hmm. ass by the time this match mm-hmm. was over. Good look, and I get that's the point of what he's doing. Yes. But holy Christ, and uh, for whatever reason, it bugged me during this match. I don't know why. Maybe it's the the mood I was in when I watched this. But uh, I, I like the line Joey has where he says Fonzie has a face for radio and a voice for print. I thought that was a, a fantastic line by Joey. Um, I, I do think it went maybe a little bit too long for what they were trying to do here. I think this went, you know, a little uh, less than 10 minutes, but I, I still think it was good for what it was. You know, usually you just see Taz just fucking destroy mm-hmm. people. So I thought it was interesting that Johnny Smith, of all people, was able to <laughs> go hold for hold with him. So I, I thought that was uh, interesting, but I, I still think the match was good for what it was. So uh, I went two and a half on it, Jenny. I thought I had, like, a stroke or something and, like, forgot anything about this Johnny Smith guy. And I'm like, I'm like, what well, did well, I? I don't think we've seen him before, really. I, Joey didn't really say much about him. And, or did I stroke out on that? Like, I felt lost as my first note. This is weird. Why isn't he destroying him? Because I'm like, this guy's nobody. And, and why is this, like, a legit match? Like, this is fine, but nobody cares. Like, Taz has other shit he needs to be doing. Like, I really didn't care much about this match. I don't care about Johnny Smith. Honestly, like, I guess I was in the same mood as Matt was. It was the fucking whistle that did it to me. I think that's what it was. Because I was going fucking crazy listening to the whistle, and I'm just ready for the fucking match to be over with. So I feel like that's that's got to be it. 
they do the respect handshake. I'm like, this motherfucker gets your respect? Why? Because <laughs> he can withstand a whistle blow for five minutes? Like, I don't get it. Two stars. Well, he had a really good rep. He had debuted in 82. He's a storyline cousin of Davy Boy Smith. Spent a lot of time, um, of course, in the United Kingdom. A lot of time in Stampede. As well as New Japan, All Japan. He's worked all around. And uh, still going today. Not wrestling, but still alive, which is a win. Oh, okay. Um, right. It seems like seems like everyone has a, a nice stuff to say about him, though. Not not too many <laughs> negative words. So uh, he's also married to a woman named Jane. <laughs> so he's currently okay. a police officer. Uh, but no, he, he had a pretty good rep. Like, I think he's just like one of those really solid, solid British workers, right? That um, was respected. So I think that's why they went this angle with him. Maybe so I, again, I think it's another nod him. to like yeah. inside fans that like may have heard about him in a PWI, mm-hmm. the observer or, you know, traded tapes that may have seen Johnny Smith matches. So I think it's kind of like a nod to that, that they know this guy's a worker. Uh, a rare miss, I think maybe by Joey, uh, by not putting that over. I don't know. Or I missed it. Um, no, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think they really took the time to mm-hmm. uh, establish who he was, but it, Again, we didn't see the whole show, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I at World One Worlds Collide, maybe Styles did like Something it. Something happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to set him up. But um so anyway. Uh Joey says that you know, the match we just saw happened at When Worlds Collide. Smith below his AC joint, and because of that shoulder injury, he had to miss an all Japan tour and the payday that goes Jesus. with it. And now he wants revenge. And he'll get it against Taz this Saturday night in a rematch at ECW Arena. So I know you're done with it, Jenny, but we're going to get the rematch. We got a rematch of this? Mm-hmm. Why? Maybe Fonzie will forget the whistle. God, I fucking hope so. <laughs> Joey says Smith trained in the dungeon. He's a submission ma- master. So this weekend they'll wrestle in a submission-only match. And Joey says it's even money because Smith didn't tap to Taz and who will be healthy now. We got a clip of Taz last week talking about how he's going to promote ECW around the world. Joey says Taz is no company guy. He only cares about himself and Team Taz. He said recently sent a message in Hershey. And this is some infamous stuff. So WF held a pay-per-view in Philadelphia that was in your house mind games. And that's their hometown, and the fans are very vocal. Taz is representing the fans that are sick and tired of business as usual. They are the alternative, and they wanted Vince McMahon to know that WF was in their hometown. Joey tells us that Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and Paul Lee were representing ECW. We see footage from in your house of Sandman and Paul arguing with Savio Vega at ringside. Joey says that WF has refused to provide the official footage, and they have no sense of humor. And they've proven that by hiring Lance Wright. Uh, they also have had a fan cam in Hershey at Raw the next night when Taz was at ringside with a Team Taz sign during a British Bulldog and a one-heart tag team match. And this is a lot of big stuff. Uh, it was well done with the fan cam to make sure it doesn't really feel like they're working together. And, of course, there was a relationship in place by this point. This was not just mm-hmm. rogue stuff. But um, this is a big deal even at the time, like watching that in your house and seeing them pop up was really cool. And the way they present it here, again, feels fresh and counterculture. And uh, it seems like Lance Wright was written off by that Shane Douglas Phil Nelson because he oh, was hired. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he lasts long there. Uh, so I don't know if he ever does anything else after, but uh, he's not there that long. I don't think he even does much, honestly, on TV um, with the WWF. But this was all like really grumpy and stuff, Matt. Do you like, remember this at the time at all? Or uh, Well, at the time I was five. So, no, I don't remember so it. But, remember <laughs> but uh, no, no. Uh, uh, ECW was not a blip on five-year-old Matt's radar. Mm-hmm. But like I've definitely heard about it and I've seen the pay-per-view, uh, you know, numerous times. And it's I will say I did not know uh, about the Taz thing the next night on Raw. That yes. I didn't. 
Like yeah. I, I knew about the Sandman Tommy Dreamer stuff, but the Taz stuff I had no idea about. So that was uh, that was interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, for the time, it, it, this is like truly wild, mind blowing stuff for sure. It was like I would I didn't know I don't I don't know any of that stuff so I was like wait what are we doing why is there <laughs> like very I was very glad you explained it Justin because I felt like Joey really didn't say what happened <laughs> it was like okay and I feel like Taz I don't I can't tell if like he's getting distracted or if he's being evolved because like all of this stuff that he's doing now like he wants to spread the word his way of ECW and doing this mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. I feel like that's way different from where he started or maybe like he's learned that this is what he wants to do I don't know I just uh, or just an attempt to get Sabu to notice him maybe I don't know um I guess I just don't understand what his um motivation is anymore I think it's to get Taz to notice him but I think it's also yeah it's like to spread his message worldwide about who he is and what he is and um, grow the Taz brand at the expense of the ECW brand, I guess. Okay. I, I guess that's fair. He wants to spread the word of Taz. Basically. Like a, like a Jehovah's witness. Well, cause I think, I think part of it is rooted in the fact that, and then he'll hint at this at some points, but Sabu don't forget is like a massive underground star. Like mm-hmm. he'd get a ton of magazine coverage. There's buzz about him like being one of the best workers in the world at, you know, times or a little bit earlier than this, he was like a cult guy. So part of it might be rooted in Taz, like trying to say, look, I'm better than this fucking guy worldwide. Like stop hyping Sabu, Sabu, Sabu. Mm. He's, he's hiding from me. Mm. I'm the best in the world. Mm. Right. So, so he's just hyper fixated on, on Sabu being, and yeah, proving he's Sa- better. Sabu is not even glanced in his direction in any no. way, shape or form, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll see why. All right, we head back to September 14th when worlds collide when New Jack dumped a bucket of wet slop over the meanie babe, and Joey says she's gone. And me and Stevie were pissed about it. So a lot of ladies leaving at this point. So I don't know if it was that backstage culture at ECW or what mm. was going on, but Missy and the meanie babe both gone. Uh, we well, go. I to mean, you get slopped. You probably right. don't want to hang around this fucking shit. We go to a fan cam from this past weekend. New Jack was alone because Mustafa got held up at the airport. <laughs> Out came Stevie and Meanie dressed as public enemy. They dance around as a party. <laughs> Meanie is Johnny Grunge. And Joey says, Grunge has lost some weight. It's a <laughs> fucking wicked burn. Savage. On poor Johnny Grunge. Uh, brutal. Uh, New Jack cleans house on both with some big weapon shots, and Stevie and Meanie turn the tie, but Jack overcomes and wins a handicap match. Uh, Stevie and Meanie then beat New Jack down and leave him laying after. So just uh, pretty good stuff here, I thought. Dude, this might be my favorite of their cosplay. They were mm. really, really good as Public Enemy, I thought. Uh, even doing their moves, uh, and uh, Stevie with his luscious hair in, <laughs> in dreadlocks, uh, doing the dances. Oh, my God. They nailed it. It was fucking great i really really want to see the whole footage of that because <laughs> that's a fan cam thing but i really loved that yeah uh it was fantastic uh i i will never get over stevie and meanie's cosplay of really anything but uh this one uh certainly has to be uh on the list of their best i mean especially meanie because he's the same fucking build <laughs> as grunge so i mean it's not a it's not a hard leap for meanie right. to play him so but yeah great stuff 
no, they're always super fun in this. And like, it just, it's good insider nods and laughs to have them doing it, but it's not like hitting you over the head. And they're just but, real good at it. You know, they yeah. just, mm-hmm. yeah, they just nail it. You can tell that they're fans. <laughs> they just watch everything. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> All right, we get more of it, though. We're not done. So Joey says Mustafa is out of jail. He'll be at the ECW Arena Saturday, and the gangsters will defend the tag titles. We then hear from Stevie and Meanie. They're in the hood, still dressed as public enemy, and they do a great impression. They're making all kinds of yes. fat jokes. They the... <laughs> Man, there was some down pat. <laughs> uh, really funny stuff. You can tell they took the time to really practice it. Uh, Joey says they're not public enemy, even though they enjoy the you know, they enjoy the parodies. Back to Stevie and Meanie. Say, everyone saw Razor Ramon and Diesel on Raw, and that means they could do the same. And that means Public Enemy is back in ECW, and they thank Vince. Back to Joey says, Vince is killing his company with this nonsense. Says it's all Jim Ross's fault, jokingly. They go back to Stevie and Meany, and they say, hey, look, they have the fake sting on Nitro. They could put a phony sting on Nitro. Why can't they be Public Enemy? Thank you, Mr. Bischoff. Joey Miss Nitro is hotter than someone's lap after Komodo dances in it. And even after you see it takes a $1 commission, but <laughs> Stevie and Meany are not Public Enemy. Joey says they're proud of their past with Public Enemy. They wish them well and wonders why Stevie and Meany are doing this and what it has to do with Saturday Night and Ultimate Jeopardy. We go back to them and Meany makes a sobriety joke and Stevie says they're bringing back something from the gangster's past. Somebody else off camera what they're doing in that neighborhood and they scurry off. Uh, so this is all really good. The sobriety joke was maybe one step too far. We could have stuck to the fat jokes probably and been okay. Um, but obviously, really kind of, again, biting live commentary on just a, a bit of a disastrous stuff going on a raw with the fake razor diesel <laughs> shit. And then, um, you know, the fake sting kind of working that into, but uh, I, I thought this is really good stuff. Again, the, the impressions were dead on and I think it makes ECW look, you know, pretty biting to be giving immediate commentary on this nonsense that's going on on WF TV. I really like the way they cut it to, to where it looks like Joey is like responding to them in the promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting way to do it. Uh, I really liked it, and <laughs> I, <laughs> it made me miss Public Enemy just a little bit, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this was uh, completely insane. Uh, Stevie Richards and me. I, I could watch Stevie and Meanie do shit like this for like an hour, <laughs> hour and a half. Like, just give them a show. Give them like even like fucking public access or something. Just give them a camera and a microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Meanie had the line of this whole thing when he says he fell off the wagon and into an ice cream truck. <laughs> that, was, that was such a great line. Oh, God. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, this was, uh, they may do Public Enemy better than Public Enemy does Public yep. Enemy. Yeah, so, more entertaining. Yeah. Awesome stuff. And Grunge really had, I mean, he had put on a lot of weight in WCW at that point. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right, back to the ring we go, and we get that big six-man tag we've been pretty hyped about. That is the Eliminators and Brian Lee taking on Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Tommy Dreamer. And it's a big-time match. Doc and Gordy back together for the first time in three years. We get a big stare-down with all six guys. They erupt into a big brawl. We clip ahead to Doc and Gordy doubling on Saturn. Doc gets two on a power slam. Dreamer comes in. They work over Saturn with a lot of double teams and tags. Dreamer gets crotched on top, and Saturn snaps his neck and tags Lee, who gets a nice power slam. Tommy quickly comes back and hits a super kick. We clip again to Cronus coming in, get some offense on Tommy. We cut ahead again, and Saturn hits a Saturn bomb on Tommy to counter a suplex. 
Again, we clip as the Eliminators are double-teaming Tommy. We go again forward to Doc coming in and cleaning house with his murder clotheslines and a pancake on Saturn. We clip ahead again as Cronus sets a handspring elbow on Doc, but Doc no-sells it and goes into a cross-arm breaker. Clip again. Dreamer hits a cutter on Saturn for two. Lee comes in and chokeslams Tommy, but Gordy steps in and hammers away as the crowd calls to the spike. Gordy loads it up and jams it, but the Eliminators come in and nail Gordy with total elimination to pin him for the win. So this is a 20-minute match that we did not see much of, uh, but it looked like a lot of fun. And it made sense to save Doc and Gordy for tape sales. So, again, I think this is kind of shrewd to just show, like, bits of this. And if you want to see their first match back in the big reunion, you're going to buy the tape. Uh, we get some story progression. The big win for the Eliminators to beat Doc and Gordy. And Tommy takes another tough loss. A loss. I thought Doc great in this, Jenny. Uh, I went two and a half because only because of what we saw. I'm sure it was better if you get the whole story in full. Yeah, I did the three because fuck it. Um, and I really liked it. Uh, I, I thought that it was going to, like, initially, because there was a hot start and they kind of brawled mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I want to do, like, a old guy walk brawl with this mm-hmm. guy who's, like, right. almost half dead and mm-hmm. stuff. So, like, probably <laughs> let's not do that. Um, so then they kind of squared up and did, like, a traditional um, tag style. And I was really appreciative of that especially when saturn got in the ring because i fucking love saturn and he's fucking awesome and he's just murdering folks um god damn he's amazing to watch anyway um it's it's really fun like it's pretty fast-paced um everybody looks good i i do want to kind of it works if if they wanted me to buy a tape i would buy a tape to watch this match because it looks like a good time so i did the three stars matt uh, I went two and a half on it. Uh, a big brawl to start, as expected. I, I thought, you know, we really didn't see that much of this match, but what we did see, I thought, was really good. Uh, I- I've said it before: Cronus always doing that backflip el- uh, moonsault oh, yeah. slash handspring elbow is always fucking impressive. I don't know how the hell he does that. As a ma- speaking as a man who has trouble walking on flat ground most days, <laughs> me, it, it, that's that's goddamn impressive. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the finish to this. The total elimination on Gordon. I thought looked really good. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough match to rate just because we only saw like five minutes of a 20 minute match. But what we saw here was pretty good. And I'm assuming the whole match is probably pretty solid. But uh, as is two and a half for me. All right. Joey talks up Terry Gordy, how he almost died twice. He rekindles career. Bought himself up as a top contender in Japan, came to ECW, became a marked man, including by Brian Lee, who took him out with the spike. Gordy came back from that. He took total elimination and Lee pinned Gordy with the spike again, which led to the reunion of Gordy and Doc. And Doc and Gordy come in and Gordy says they want to put the eliminators down and Doc just smirks and stares. So it looks like we're going to get another tag match with just those two teams as uh, Doc and Gordy have their little mini reunion here in ECW. Douglas is in the back talking shit on the pit bulls, calls them by their names. He's been waiting in their gym all day, but they haven't showed up. He pumped iron, he jogged circles, but neither have shown. Maybe Pitbull 2 is getting soft without his partner to push him. He'll be here every day waiting for them to show up for a fight. And then Douglas throws his towel and walks in the shower. Uh, anything quick there before we get to Pulp Fiction? Nice nudie tease, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> those uh, those calves of Shane Douglas, my mm, goodness. All right, Pulp Fiction time. Joey says Pitbull 2 seeking revenge for Pitbull 1 and his friend, and he wants to take the TV title and break Shane's neck. Recaps all the Pitbull's troubles, and Saturday night, Douglas has to face Pitbull 2 again. Joey then talks about the Eliminators, who made it clear they want competition, so on October 26th, 
They face off with Gordy and Doc to determine the greatest team in wrestling. Tickets will be on sale. Uh, tickets are currently on sale for Saturday. I'm sorry. Tickets for that show will go on sale Saturday. Mm-hmm. The Eliminator is behind a gate talking about wanting competition. They beat the Steiners. They beat the Pit Bulls. They beat the Bruise Brothers, the Gangsters. And they've ruined Doc and Gordy's reunion. And they are the best in the world. And they'll go head-to-head for uh, this as well. Joey then hypes up 1026 and more. He's saying it will sell out. So this Saturday night, be sure to get tickets. Spicoli will be back this Saturday after his injury. Bubba Ray Dudley faces Devon. At World's Wide, uh, at when Worlds Collide, we met a brand new Dudley brother, 18-year-old Spike, who came to fight. We see footage of Bubba throwing Spike off the nest into Devon and Axel. And Spike getting right into the fight with Devon. Joey talks about Saturday's main event of Ultimate Jeopardy as Lee and Raven take on Sandman and Dreamer. If Lee is pinned, his head will be shaved. If Raven is pinned, he loses his title. If Sandman is pinned, he will get lashed 10 times with the cane. And if Tommy is pinned, Beulah has to leave ECW. Join the rash of women who have been driven out, ladies. He calls that out. Lee getting the the short, the fair <laughs> deal, I think. Probably. I feel like none of these skips are ever equal in these matches. And he's no. like, they always do these Jeopardy matches. And yeah. one is always like brutally worse than the others. So. Uh, so a lot of stakes there, of course. And we go to Allentown last Friday, where Dreamer Lee brawled in the streets, and Raven and Sandman had a brutal cage match. And then we close with clips from Mind Games again of the ECW invasion. So uh, this is a good final hype job by Joey to, to set up this Saturday and October 26th. So get a head start on that one as well. Super hard sell by Joey. Like, I wanted to buy tickets to this shit. Like, seriously. Because <laughs> like, I think I'm becoming... Um, obsessive and possessive of this ECW footage mm. in general, like all the stuff that he's talking about mm. and the stuff like the previous match. I didn't get to see all of it. So I'm kind of becoming a completionist when it comes to like, I want to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> Show it to me. So I guess I'm going to have to wait for TV. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we're going to be living this life, I think, more and more, mm-hmm. at least until, um, yeah, pretty much going forward. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes. Out. I mean, a lot of stuff's out there, you know, if we want to do some searching. But for podcast purposes, this is the direction we're going. Uh, Matt, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, I feel like, uh, I mean, it was a great hard sell, but I feel like uh, compared to recent Pulp Fictions we've been seeing, uh, mm. very tame at <laughs> the opposite yes. end of the spectrum. I mean, it was still great. I mean, Joey was uh, fantastic at doing a hard sell for shows, but uh, compared to some of the batshit insane stuff we've been seeing on Pulp Fictions lately, uh, fairly tame. But again, uh, great. Also, I popped for Spike. I love Spike Dudley, so... Yeah, that was cool uh, that we get to see his debut in there. And again, this is the stuff we missed by not not seeing the shows in full. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I do wonder if ticket sales were soft for this show because like yeah. they really go all in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's unusual like, for them to do this. Yes. And he even said like you know tickets are on sale and etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also tell that they want to get an early jump on 10:26. I'm sure Gordy and mm-hmm. Doc were not cheap. Um, they have them on that show, Ooh. so mm-hmm. probably trying to make sure they sell out to make it worth it. So yeah, good good hype. So we'll see what comes. Look, of it. Gordy can't afford to die a third time, <laughs> so he has to command some money, top <laughs> dollar. <laughs> All right, best match. I, I just went. I went with Taz and Johnny Smith. I, I liked it the best of the, the what we saw. Um. Yeah, I, I went. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm gonna do the the um six man tag. Yeah, I went two and a half on both. Uh, I I think I'll lean Taz Johnny Smith on that just because it was a full match. So, 
Yeah, I went worst match as the six man. I mean, it was just because it was clipped up, and we didn't right. Get, yeah, we didn't really get the flow. It was almost more. It almost feels unfair. I graded it because they showed enough of it, but mm-hmm. it really felt more like highlights than than a match. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, best moment. I went with the public enemy parody and Joey freaking out about yes. it. Yes. Hundred percent. Oh my god. Uh, most '90s, I had a few. I had Sandman, Paul, and Taz invading WF, obviously, and then the the Tom Barrasso Penguins jersey. I know we've seen it before, and it's it's pretty regular, yeah. but it really stood out tonight for some reason to me. Um, Public Enemy. <laughs> mm. uh, Joey mentioning Titan Towers too. That's pretty nice. Yes, there you go. That one too. <laughs> uh, Stock Rising and with Taz, Johnny Smith, and the Eliminators, and uh, Meanie and Stevie, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to put them on there. For sure. Uh, And Stock Falling, Lance Wright, who's gone, and Meaty Babe, who left after getting slopped. (laughs) (laughs) She took a Godwin slop, and then, well, the rest (laughs) is history. Wonder what was in the slop, you guys. God only knows. Uh, uh, Yeah, can you imagine? Think about that for the rest of the night. I mean, the floor is covered with oil and shit. Imagine what the Mm -hmm. slop bucket has. All right, final grade. Uh, I mean, this was an okay episode. I ended up going five and a half. A little above average for me. The matches were just kind of okay. We didn't get a lot of big storyline stuff. It really felt like they were like light on shit to show us. The highlight to me was really the Meanie and Stevie and the ECW invasion. And neither of those really mean much, like long term. Uh, the rest just kind of was fine. So, I mean, again, it was still a good episode. I would never say it wasn't worth watching, but. Like, if you had to skip one of these three, like, to me, this was probably it. If you wanted to buzz through and just catch the parody of Public Enemy and the invasion stuff, you probably didn't need to see much more. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm going to do five out of ten. Yeah, I ended up going uh, six just because of the uh, the stuff with the WWF, the invasion stuff. I thought that's more than enough, more than worthy of watching for that. Uh, I think this show really needed like one more like really good match on it to really put it over the top. But as is, a uh, six out of ten for me. All right, so we'll see if they deliver on Double Jeopardy or Ultimate Jeopardy. Uh, we'll see what the fallout is in our next episode. And we have three more weeks of TV to take us through October. We'll come at you in two weeks' time. Everyone have a great two weeks. Stay extreme, and we'll talk to you soon.